0: We have not anticipated fans taking the entire can and upending it. Guys, I'm gonna make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too
1: cordial. My plan is to cry a lot. And then, no, I'm actually going to do well. Who am I
2: kidding? I'm great. Thankfully, the Red Bulls decided to score some points. I personally am
0: not trying to be a, a homer or anything, but uh, Joe Rallis. Portland shouldn't be on the playoffs this year because they can't get their act together.
3: 11 mil sitting on your bench, just sitting there when you could invest it into any other position.
4: Hello and welcome to season two of the MLS Fantasy Insider podcast, brought to you by the NFL. Hey, at least it sounds like the right sport, right? Offseason, Whatever. No, as always, brought to you by the MLS Fantasy Insider team and, of course, the fantastic subreddit of r slash fantasy MLS. I'm Reed, a.k.a. Dashdar on the Reddit forums from MLS Fantasy Boss. And as with most episodes, I am joined by our MLS regular co-hosts, Simon, Jay, and Guy, and frequent guest Travis. Hey, hello everybody. Hello. Howdy, howdy. Hello, friends. So, guys, what have you got? What have you been doing over the off season?
1: For me, not too much. Sitting in a corner and crying um, because Portland won MLS Cup and the Seahawks lost yesterday. So that was most of my my yesterday. And I've just been waiting for the MLS season. You know, it's kind of a boring existence, but. <laughs>
3: Yeah, same here. Just been uh, holidays with my family. uh making babies. I got a little baby boy on the way. So let's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yay! Congrats. Well, thank you. Yeah, so I'm excited.
4: It's too bad we can't do a, a giant podcast because that would be kind of a fun thing to do right now with the baby <laughs> <fix. Right>. dork <laughs> a RSL banquet or a blanket wrapped around it. I love it.
3: I'd love it. The most handsome <laughs> baby in the world.
4: You have to do that when you have it. That's the first picture you put on the internet is an RSL blanket wrapped around your child on Twitter.
3: I will swaddle my baby in one of my RSL scarves. How about that?
0: <laughs> yes. Perfect. Do it. All right. Yeah. Um, shoot. I mean, after the Timbers won the, the championship, which was pretty awesome, um, I spent a lot of time making Jay's baby. it was all him. Yep. We got, you know, it's a whole storyline. It it was fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun <so> awesome. yeah.
2: <laughs> watching. Yeah, Trying to just, the logistics of this.
0: No, it, a <laughs> lot of travel involved. A lot of travel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a good off season. I feel really refreshed and ready for this year.
2: And I've been uh, also sitting in a corner crying, um, mostly because we lost Brad Davis um, <laughs> to Kansas City and Houston's been losing to Kansas City quite a lot recently, so I'm ready for that to change. Um, Just been hanging out, playing soccer, and playing poker in Vegas. Wow, look at that. No baby-making, though.
4: Cats. Cats. That's what you have cats for, right? That's
3: right. At least you're making money, man. I'm going to be spending a lot of it, so...
4: Yes. You, do. <laughs> <laughs> you know Guy, I have to ask what percentage do you put on that final of Portland winning versus Columbus just blowing it? Because I think that first 15 minutes Columbus was like, oh, we're here to play soccer? I I didn't realize that. Um, and then they had to sort of try to struggle back from that. Um, Is it a 60-40? Are you 50-50? Nah, it's 90-90? like
0: a 75-25 in favor okay. of Portland. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when you're on the road for a final, you you got to go out and, and, and hit them hard. And we did. We didn't play passive, and that was, you know, you got to be aggressive. And they were, so they, they earned it.
4: Definitely agree. Definitely agree. But, yeah, that was those first 15 minutes were infuriating because I was like, is who, who's come to play? Who has come to play? And then it was Portland. Portland came to play. Yes, we did. All right, well, before we get into our discussion, I'm going to do a few little housekeeping things. Uh, For those of you guys who don't know yet, this episode is all about our reactions to the schedule that's come out for the 2016 season of Major League Soccer. Uh, If you have been over to MLS Fantasy Boss, I have a chart put up with um, what I think it might look like, but we'll we'll cover that some more later. Uh, But first... If you haven't been to the Reddit site since last season, what are you doing? Uh, Yeah, it's been kind of a ghost town, but there's a whole new makeover to the website, some new graphics, some new buttons, so go over there, take a peek, see what you like, see what you don't like. There's a thread to put some comments back on there, Uh, but we hope you do like the new look for this season. The MLS Trade Tracker is up, and it gets uploaded or updated every few days. I think the last time I saw it, it was January 14th, so it may be missing a few trades now, but that's a good way to keep track of who your team is losing or has retired or who you're going to be getting, like the Brad Davis Trade. Uh, There were still some people who did not respond to me when I was trying to hand out prizes last year from the Reddit League, so... I'll be making some posts and maybe sending out some emails, trying to track down those of you who may have won, and I'll announce those in a later podcast and, of course, online. uh, Once I'm 100% sure I have all the names right. Uh, So please, if you know any of these people I announce, let them know and have them contact me. Uh, And finally, thank you to everyone who did respond back to the feedback questions that were posted on Reddit and at MLS Fantasy Boss for uh, just helping make this podcast better. Knowing what you guys like and don't like really helps us. Uh, Going forward, we have implemented some of the changes for this season, so we hope you see them, and uh, we always welcome your feedback. So like I said, we're going to be discussing the 2016 MLS schedule right now. Um, I posted it on MLS Fantasy Boss. I do expect what I have posted to change some. Uh, I wasn't quite sure how to handle a couple... Of some of these double game weeks, there's a few Thursday games in there, so it'll probably change especially as uh, CCL happens and other things come up, but I think it's a pretty good attempt. Did you guys say so for a first draft? Yeah, definitely.
3: Oh. It'll oh, probably yeah. change at least 20 more times, but it's good It's good for now.
4: So don't send me too many more emails, but that's what we're using if you want to check it out, what we're looking at. I feel pretty good about the gist of it. Um, it's only 33 weeks, most of this, of the of the seasons have been 34 weeks in the past, but there are still 34 games for each team, so I don't know if they just shaved one off for time, but I could ramble on about that. You guys have come to listen to what our reactions are to the schedule, so let's just right, jump right into it. Guys, at first glance, how does this look?
3: Yeah, I mean, first glance, I like it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's still uh, quite new. I mean, you have the World Cup qualifiers, the Canada, um, Canada Championship, and your other World Cup qualifiers, but like you alluded to earlier, we don't know when the U.S. camps are going to be or when CCL is going to be. I know um, that at least in this in this uh, in this chart, it's not there. But I'm um, I'm hoping for at least you know two or three wild cards uh, coming up some sometime. Um, obviously, like game week four looks like it'd be an ideal time for that, and then possibly even like a game week 31 and maybe one more somewhere in between. But um, so far, I mean, I, I see a lot of very very difficult fixtures for a lot of teams in the first 10 game weeks and uh but i like, i like how it looks i like it
0: yeah i like the fact that <clears throat> i mean as it is now we're probably not scheduled for a double game week until game week 7 um so your bad team may not be as critically you know impacting your overall score right off the bat so um you know if you get bad luck week 1 at least you're not going to be losing to a bunch of double game week teams come week two or three. So uh, it's it's still an MLS schedule. There's a lot of double game weeks and a lot of Wednesday games, but uh, it's, it's not too bad.
2: Yeah, I think you touched on one thing, though, is that uh, it's going to be a little trickier the first six weeks just because when you have those double game weeks, you, you kind of it kind of sets your schedule almost if you're if you're a player that that plays the double game weeks pretty hard so you have to make all your own decisions for the first six weeks and can't really rely on all right well I'm gonna play 10 players for the double game week right away you have to kind of take what you got and 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 hope you get some good picks early otherwise you may be burning a Uh, your wild card early, unless there is one in week four, which I'm hoping there is, because there's only, what, three games?
3: Yeah, there has to be one in game week four with that many buys.
2: I think so.
4: Yeah, game week four, for those of you who may not have the schedule in front of you, is basically when the first World Cup qualifier is. Uh, So there's only five teams scheduled. We've we've had uh, some game weeks where there have been fewer teams or not as few teams as six teams playing in the past, so it wouldn't be surprising to me. Uh, there's actually six teams there. I see Vancouver down at the bottom now. Um, we've, we've had 16 game weeks last season, so it would not surprise me if if that didn't get changed, but I definitely agree that I think there'll be a wild card uh, either for game week four or uh, for game week three to prep for that. Sometime in that, in that four and five area, I think there's going to be a free wild card. There has to be.
0: Well, I mean, I don't want to interrupt Simon's turn here, but if we're going to start game weeks, double game weeks in game week seven, I, I don't know why we don't just have a complete bye week in game week four and just start double game weeks in game week five. It just seems kind of silly that we do this. Like, you know, 75% of the teams get a bye week on international dates, but here's uh, some bad luck for the other teams that have to play anyway. Everyone- Hashtag
4: because MLS, bro.
2: Because MLS. <laughs> But at least we get the the Voyager Cup time off. Yeah. Well, it'd be nice if they even just rolled game week four and five together in fantasy, where it was March 26th through April 3rd. That way you'd have, what, one, two, three, four teams on a double game week, and almost nobody on a bye. I think nobody on a bye if you rolled them together.
1: Yeah, I think that that would be really good, too. Um, I hope they do that, because... You know, it's going to be pretty weird if if there's like a wild card so early in the season. Although it might be kind of cool because it's almost like you get a little 3-week um 3-week tester to see like how well do the new players perform and you can kind yeah. of maybe take a few more risks with your roster that way if if there yeah. was going to be a wild card so early, which could be a lot of fun. That's the one thing that I noticed about the schedule.
2: I mean, I mean if there's not a wild card in week 4, you're basically going to have to build your team off of who's playing in week four and roll back from there to figure out who you're going to, who you're going to sub out to get there. Of course, there's already a big gap between the previous
4: game week because week three ends on March 20th. Um, and then if we're going to have the 25th is when the world cups are starting. So that's, I guess it's not huge. It's, it's another entire week. So if we're going to have that combine into another game week, um, it's going to be a lot of gap, a lot of gap between there. I mean, I guess you could do it with five. I think is that what you said, Travis? Assignment? Yeah. I guess you could do it with five, but it it is a little bit odd with with the typical uh, typical format that they use. But possibility that there that is a big gap, so you never know. Uh, I will add something I noticed so far with this schedule is there are fewer bye weeks this year than there were last year. I think there are 70-some bye weeks last season, and currently there's only 50-something bye weeks right now. So I, now, I, I do think that will change, especially after CCL, when we find some more teams are going to have to be traveling for play, uh, which I will add, uh, I think game week 31 is going to have some changes if it stays how it is with just Houston and Colorado playing, that that's an ideal time to just drop a team into when they need to make up a game later on. I think that might be... What they're going for with that. Um, I I think we might have wild cards at both World Cup times. Uh, again, in, in game week 26, there's not as many teams on a bye, but still several, and with a big double game week right before it. Uh, I think either that's going to just not sure how that's going to be split up with maybe the double game weeks, or they're going to have a, a wild card potentially there to help people out. I don't know. And I think there might also be one. After the Canadian Championship in June, just to help a little bit with, with some of that. Maybe not. That might be nice. Uh, but but that Game Week 14 is a Thursday, and there were three Thursday games this year, and I wasn't quite sure how to organize those into the week before or the week after it, so some of them ended up just being a week onto themselves. But uh, that's what I noticed. I, I like it, though. I feel like there's a nice spread of the double game weeks this time, uh, I, th- I felt like a lot of it was just jammed into the middle of the season last year. But we, I think, it's a pretty good stretch over the whole the whole season. Um, and if if the buys stay this way, that's a win for me overall. Fewer buys, that's great.
2: Yeah, yeah the buys are kind of consolidated into like those four four weeks you mentioned. So, uh, I mean, aside from that, there's probably only half dozen other buys. So. That's a lot cleaner than it was last year, for sure. Yeah. Well, before we get into too much discussion about who has the best schedule
4: or, or not, I know we had a few questions about that on Reddit. Uh, MLS released an article that they wrote about strength of schedule for this season. They uh, had Colorado right there at the top as having the hardest schedule. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Their schedule was based on, I believe, points per game in 2015.
0: Yeah, I mean, as a numbers guy myself, I mean, that's that's a perfectly logical way to set up a strength of schedule, but <clears throat> it doesn't really encompass, you know, player transfers, and it doesn't really, you know, and who has double game weeks more early on, bye weeks and the whole thing. So, I mean, from a purely statistical standpoint from last year, yeah, I can see that. Um, I think Colorado is always going to have a hard schedule because they're kind of just Colorado. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good starting point. I I would like to see kind of, I don't know how you'd even factor a metric in for, you know, player movement, and I mean, obviously, certain teams did get better this year, and certain teams lost a lot, so, you know, when you look at, like, Portland, for example, hey, we lost Rodney Wallace and Jorge Vifania, so is our strength of schedule going to be based on last year's results when we're losing two of our, you know, best players? Eh, it's it's that kind of thing. So I don't know how they would do it, but I, it was okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, one thing I thought was, was kind of interesting was, uh, what, five out of the top six uh, hardest schedules were Western Conference. So that yeah, that's was, true. That was... Uh, I, mean, I guess that's based on the fact that the Western Conference had more points uh, overall.
4: Well, the top five are Colorado, LA, Seattle, Vancouver, and then New York City.
2: Yeah, so five out of the top six because Kansas City's
4: in sixth. Kansas City in sixth. Uh, I mean, I th- I think the Western Conference is just harder. They The Eastern Conference has a crutch from having the two expansion teams still that are still trying to sort of find their identities and and get going and I mean I guess I just hate to say it I I think a lot of the teams out in the West are just better some of them I mean we had uh, Chicago was struggling last season, you had Toronto was struggling at times last season, you had New England was struggling at times last season and throw in the new teams Um, I mean the the big qualm that i have with the strength of schedule chart is in my mind every western conference team should be up there at the top especially since we're not playing even games that you're playing the most of the people in your conference and just one other game with someone from out there in the in the east so i think that first first half should just be all western conference
1: <laughs> i totally Colorado agree. at the top Colorado at the top i totally agree <laughs> it's like it's hard to argue with it based on the numbers but it like does strength of schedule really matter that much in MLS? The numbers you saw there, if you looked at the chart that they published, it's like a 0.12 difference between the hardest schedule and the easiest schedule. Yeah. And it's like, that's not that much of a difference when it comes to the fact that you've got 20 teams. And obviously, like, if you're a bad team, you're going to have a harder schedule. And if you're good, you have an easier one. So... It's like I don't, I'm not really sure how useful that strength of schedule article is, is in going to be uh, in terms of predicting any teams any team's performance this season.
3: Yeah, I personally, I think it's garbage. Um, because I, I really do. I mean, I think that I think that um, you know Ben wrote this correct.
4: Uh,
3: yes, yeah. Yeah. Good luck here. getting
0: Ben on next week. Yeah. Uh, ben, your, your, no, your article's no, garbage according no, to you. No.
3: No. 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 What, what I meant by that was I think that the strength of schedule statistic for MLS is garbage. The article is good. Uh, you know, ben, Ben's a homie. It's all good. But the reason why I say that is because Toronto has the second easiest schedule, yet their first eight games are away against New York, New York City, Kansas City, by Colorado, New England, D.C., Montreal, Portland. Then you have a home game against Dallas. Those are very tough games, and there's eight, There are eight away games, but yet – They have the second easiest schedule. I know they score a lot of points because of Giovinco, but how does that make any sense? Typically in MLS, away games are the toughest, but yet they have the second easiest schedule. That doesn't make sense to me.
2: Well, that's over the course of the whole season, though, not just the first third of the season.
3: Sure, but, but then don't you think that that would still factor it in? I mean, there's, what, 30, 33, 34 games in the season, 33 game weeks, and that's the first eight are away. I mean, consider how many away games they have. I know that they're gonna they'll make up um, the home games, but it's just I don't know. Just things like that don't make sense to me. And also with roster moves, there's so many more roster moves that are gonna happen, and I think that will you know affect the outcome of this. I mean, Colorado losing Irwin right now, Andrew Moore, that's gonna make Colorado it's gonna be a lot more difficult for them too. Sure.
4: I, th- I think I agree on both sides of what you're saying. Um, when you look at it season long, of course everyone's going to have the same number of home games and away games. But if you look at it, the Western Conference plays everyone in the Western Conference more than the East. Yes, that's why I think all of those guys should be at the top of, of a strength of schedule table uh, because I just think they're better. Uh, in the short run, like you're talking about as well, with, with those increased number of away games in their first 11 weeks. Yeah, definitely people like Toronto, Sporting Kansas City, who have a lot of away games, I would put higher up on someone having a tougher schedule. Colorado has just been stripped of, of people. I mean, last year and they were, they, a lot were with. <laughs> they were not. I mean, last year where they where they had just the shuffle of you never knew. I think they're the team that had us coined the phrase the MLS shuffle because you never knew who was going to play. Yeah. And now it's like almost half the team's gone. And so they have a huge rebuilding year. Chicago is kind of in the same boat as well with a lot of people, especially on defense, jumping ship. Um, at least they still have some of their offense, unlike Colorado. But I think those two teams would need to be near the top just because they're almost like a new expansion team trying to rebuild on, on what's going on. So that's it's rough times. But I guess a typical strength of schedule looks at the the team's record versus the opponent's record and includes the record of the teams that the opponent has recently played as well. So it's a huge kind of just sprawling, almost like a family tree of wins and losses that takes into account using points per game is definitely a quicker way of, of doing it. So
2: Different different approaches. It'd be interesting to see this broken out into like the first third, second third, and third third. I mean, yeah. that would kind of mm-hmm. give you more of a sense of just how difficult the first eight games are going to be for Toronto. Yeah,
3: well, that's right. yeah, that, that's what I was. That's what I was going to say too. It's, it's this is like you said spread over the entire season. But realistically, when you're looking in fantasy or even in soccer, you're not looking you know at all 33 games you're looking at one game at a time maybe the game after that like for you know for us is for us in fantasy we're looking at maybe what four or five game weeks max ahead to see what double game weeks what buys what's going on so that we can start planning and predicting what we want i mean the first you know your first four weeks your first three weeks really because there's so there's a buy you know we don't know who's in form who's not you know we can we can banter back and forth about strength of schedule all we want but Realistically, we don't know who's going to come out firing and who's going to come out you know, laying an egg.
4: There's some preseason. No, that's <laughs> that's an excellent point. So since we're about the shorter snippets of the season, let's just keep going and say, let's look at the first five to ten weeks or so. Who do you guys think has the best early schedule at
2: it? Um, I'm just going to look at the first three weeks. Uh, because if we don't have a, a uh, if you have a wild card, if even if we don't have a wild card, I'll I always burn my wild card about game week three or four anyway. So, um, for me, uh, things that pop out for me are like the Red Bulls. They've got two home games against Toronto and Houston, uh, they've got a bit of a tough game against Montreal away in game week two. But they've got a, I mean, they've got a pretty solid. Start against, uh, and they were solid all season. So I'm I'm liking the the Red Bulls and FC Dallas uh, play at home to the Union. Who who knows what the Union are gonna do uh, with all the moves they've made? Right, they're another team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then they go away to Houston, who <laughs> sadly Dallas has had our number the last. Two three years, so I'm not I'm not really uh, optimistic. I mean, I'll be optimistic, but I'm not putting any money on Houston to win that game. Let's just put it that way. Um, and then basically, anyone who's playing New York City at home.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the Fire actually have have New York City at home, and then Orlando away. And then Columbus at home. And these are three teams that have not really been known for their defense the last season. So, I mean, if I'm going to pick someone up on attacking, I may look at Chicago for a cheap option just because they're playing some pretty suspect defenses.
1: Yeah, and I guess I'll jump in here if that's okay. And Chicago is one of my teams that I think has a really good schedule. They only have one uh, away game in the first 10 game weeks, although they do have two buys in that stretch. And to me, you know, the one constant if you look at stats in MLS is that home games are so much easier. Teams way perform better at home than they do on the road. And so to me, especially when we're at a point right now when we don't totally know how rosters are going to be or how anything is really going to shake out because MLS can be a bit unpredictable in that regard, especially early in the season with results. Ah, uh, the one thing you can look at is home games, and you see that New York City had their first ten at home, and then Dallas has uh, pretty good schedule too. They've got five out of their first eight at home. I think you mentioned them, and um, is, yeah, and a lot of the team, a lot of those games for Dallas are East Coast teams traveling to Dallas. It's always a little bit hard for East Coast teams traveling west, so really like New York City, Chicago, and Dallas just because of their home games. There's a couple other teams, but Chicago especially stood out. If they look good in preseason, um, I know there's been a lot of shakeup with that roster, but I, I like how it's looking so far, and if they look good in preseason, they might be ones to keep an eye on, especially at first.
4: Well, the good part for Chicago is, unlike Colorado, like I mentioned, they've, they've kept their attack. They've still got ship. they've still got a comm, they've still got a couple of the other guys that screw scored them points
1: exactly, last yeah. year.
4: So if, if they can build some and I guess I should also add I believe they currently still have Duty as well. Hmm.
1: Do <laughs> the Duty. Uh, I hope he's 4.0 again. Probably not. <laughs> but.
3: My, uh, my, my pick, You uh, know, I was looking at the schedule and one really just jumps out at me and that's the Galaxy. Last year we know they were a force to be reckoned with at home. Couldn't do anything on the road but they open up Playing against DC United, DC's got to travel across the country and play a revamped uh, LA Galaxy backline. Getting, I believe they got uh, Big Red. Is that correct? That they, is
1: correct. They, they,
3: yeah, they lost Omar and got Big Red. They got McGee as well, which he can play really anywhere. Um
2: goal for sure.
3: Yeah, it, I mean it's McGee's coming back home to la so he's he's i think I think mcgee will do well there but you know they're playing you know D.C., and then they're away to Colorado which i think they're you know the way Colorado's shaping up this year I think la is gonna you know have their way with them and then they're back <laughs> home against San Jose so I think that that's a very very favorable fixture for the galaxy obviously like you guys said earlier, um, Dallas has a very favorable fixture or very favorable um, uh, three first three game weeks. And then uh, I think uh, Orlando City, though, as well, um, they play at home against RSL and then another home game against Chicago and then away at NYC. You know, in my opinion, those with two suspect defenses on the road. I know RSL, you know, they're doing a backline shuffle right now as well. They're not going to have – I don't think they good of a defense this year in Chicago. I don't think that they're very good on the road as well. And then NYC, we all know, doesn't have a good defense at all. So I think that Orlando City would be good for the attacking potential in the first three game weeks.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you guys. I mean, I think Chicago, I mean, could they possibly be as bad as they were last year? Um, if they still yes. have. No, well, if they. But Gilberto came on late last year. And Gilberto never gets enough credit. That guys he's money. Like, I like that guy. Um, defensively, who knows? I mean, Sean Johnson could always pull it together. But, I mean, yeah, and then, you know, L.A. I'm a little hesitant about L.A. I mean, what do they got? They had a... Uh, they got they old people. They just picked up Dan Kennedy. So, I don't know if they're going to yep. go with Dan Kennedy or if they're going to go with... Um, oh, God damn. What's his name now? Ricketts? Ricketts, no, they got, Ricketts, Ricketts they is got gone.
4: Yeah, they they brought yeah. up um, I think it's Diop Clement who was uh, oh, yeah, there you go in uh, LA Galaxy too. So yeah. then they brought him up.
0: Yeah, but, but Kennedy's uh, too good. I don't know. I losing Omar for them is huge. I don't think people are really given enough credit how and they're looking at like Jolie Lescott to bring in <laughs> uh, Ashley Cole. <laughs> yeah, when you when you lose Omar Gonzalez to the Mexican League and your number one move is to bring in the five-head that is Julian Lescott. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you got some problems, because Julian Lescott, is he's just not quality. No. Uh, they did also
4: bring up another LA Galaxy 2 defender, so I don't I don't have any stats on on the, the USL guys right now, so I can't do much. But they have made a couple of moves from their well, lower... Their
0: lead. attack is never going to be a problem. I mean, Gerard and, and uh, Keen are a year older, but... Yeah. You still got, you, still know, got you big yeah.
3: So Gordon, yeah, McGee, and they
0: just well, McGee's not.
4: <laughs> I just <laughs> love hey, McGee, McGee hat tricked first game 2013, I think. There it was.
0: Well that's six years ago. I mean, three years ago now. So it's like, <laughs> and he's been stagnant and injured the whole time. I don't, I don't know how much I, stock I put in McGee. He's one of my favorite players. He's fun when he's when he's healthy, but. I don't know where he fits in over there other than just a, you know, a backup for a pinch but
1: he fits in with yeah. their plethora Super, of old players. Another no, old player. I mean, I
0: think Chicago could be fun. I think you know their attack could be good. If they can get some cohesiveness in their attack, that could take some pressure off their defense. I think that was their big problem. Is their attack was so sporadic last year that their defense just was getting just blasted in the face every minute. So if they can get any kind of pressure on the ball, I think I think Chicago does a little bit better this year. I think you
4: guys hit everything on the head. Uh, for me, it really is simple. If there is a wild card in Week 4, or if you plan on using your wild card in Week 4, then I think you try to maximize the teams that have two home games within those first three weeks. Uh, that does tend to be a little bit better. One sneaky team that uh, we'll touch a little bit on this, maybe a couple more questions... Uh, Vancouver's okay I think Uh, started out with Montreal at home Uh, then they have two away games but I don't know if uh, Sporting Kansas City and Seattle will be firing on all cylinders by then so I think if you are going to be playing these tough teams the beginning of the season is the best time to do them before everything starts to click and the goals per game average is still lower than normal so hey Vancouver I'll throw into the list but otherwise you guys have nailed everything as far as the teams to look at so we had a few questions on Reddit that were asking us about specific players and strategies. I don't feel like we're quite ready for that just yet, the season with the trade window still open and not even knowing the prices of players. But uh, with some of these early schedules, we could we could talk a little bit about this kind of stuff. Are you thinking about bringing in some of these big-name players right now, Um just from looking at these early fixtures and knowing the prices are gonna be bloated, and it did take a little while for some of these guys to get going last season.
1: I mean, to me the answer is of course. Everything is going to depend upon how the pricing structure is and whether it's really practical to have them on your team. So obviously there's some qualifiers, but in this scenario where you can, it's basically been proven in the past that players who are familiar with the league tend to perform better on average. New players, Always a risk. Um, You don't really know how they're going to do, which I guess it does give you some room in terms of if you take a risk on them and nobody else does, then you're going to be ahead. But it's far more likely that you're going to take a risk on them and then you're going to fall behind. So it's probably good to play it safe, um, get those big-name offensive players, and that way you can know that you know it's pretty hard to build a big lead in terms of overall points at the start of the year. Uh, but you can definitely dig yourself into a hole, and getting the proven players is a really good way to make sure that you don't dig yourself into too deep of a hole. And one player I guess I just mentioned, though, is Giovinco. Who knows? He always performs well on the road, too. But eight road games, it is always schedule-dependent for everyone, no matter if they're big-name or not.
3: For me... I think that, like a player like Javinko, you'd be stupid not to have him in your lineup from game week one. Um, I mean, for all the people that were so adamant about not having he was the highest point score with 251 points. The next highest score was uh, Kamara with 203. Uh, I think, you know, the heavy hitters is a very wise option, especially in the very first couple weeks. Um, like I said, you know, maybe even Robbie Keane, Obviously, Giovinco. Um, I mean, those those two right off the bat are guys that I'm obviously going to have just because they're proven goal scorers. They, they're veterans in MLS, and they produce year in and year out. Um, of course, you're going to find your hidden gems here and there like Finley was last year. Um, but, you know, you'd be dumb not to have a star-studded cast in your lineup.
0: Yeah, I think everybody... They, there's always that, that section of the of the population that always kind of shies away from having an uh, unbalanced roster where you go a few superstars and then some budget players. Um, I, it doesn't make any sense to go for kind of an average team. It does, I mean, if you have the option to get Javinko or Robbie Keane and then you have to get a budget defense, that's better to get like Connor Casey or, you know, like a Will Bruin to start the year just so that you have coverage everywhere you know get a superstar and, and if, if if they don't work out you can always sell them for anybody else in the raw and you know in the game pool so that's the one that that opens up for you
2: yeah I pretty much agree with what you guys say and and the one thing I'll add to that is if the price uh, price structures as far as uh, price increases and decreases uh, remains the same this coming year then it's actually in your best interest to have more of a lopsided lineup because if you're picking some of the guys who are starters but aren't great, um, it can really hurt you as far as losing value in the players. Like people picking up like the bodgies that that started the first six or seven games of the season but lost like three tenths pretty quickly. So. Uh, I kind of got burned on that a little bit last year, but I'm not going to do that this year. I'm going to halfway
4: disagree with all of you uh, <laughs> on, on this one. You're The, the balance team, I'm definitely going to agree with. To just have this overall average, uh, I don't think you need to. Um, so definitely be smart when you're picking some of these guys. But I think it's the game that matters so much in the beginning of the season. The the average for goals scored per game at the beginning of the season, either the first third or first half, tends to be lower than the second part of the season. So I think at the beginning is when you can skimp on some of your offense a little bit. So you may not need to bring in a Javanko, uh, especially as we talked about some of the, the schedule concerns with, with Toronto or those guys. But yeah, uh, Travis's point about value with the new price schedule... The new price changes definitely a big impact, and not wanting to get too far behind. But I think you can be a slightly more conservative, especially if you're going to be wildcarding some to find out who is getting hot before you before you go all in with one guy and have to burn a transfer later on. So I I think you can be conservative with some offense at the beginning of the season. I'm just going to leave it at that.
3: When, we'll see. In, for me with having CCL coming in in February and then the last CCL game I believe is well, it's throughout the season but you know the season starts what the 6th of March there's going to be CCL games all throughout the middle to the end of February so a lot of teams are going to get some really good practice a lot of really good chemistry getting built in so and I know traditionally there's less goals scored but with the star-studded power of DDA Drogba, if he does stay, Giovinco, Euro, I thought he was already
4: gone. I thought he signed with Chelsea already to go back and coach.
3: Is it is that done? I haven't seen yet.
4: I don't know. There's official announcement, but I, that's what I was okay. seeing most of the stuff lean toward.
3: But if you look at, like, the star-studded power that we have on offense in the MLS, I think next year could be that tipping point of having more offense in the first, uh, you know, third of the season than defense. And for me... You know, I've been playing MLS, say, for the past two years, not really going against the grain, and I think that, for me, I'm going to start going heavy on offense in the first three games because you know, we don't know what to expect with all the, all the new offseason moves. So, for me, I think that I'm going to go heavy on offense.
4: Fair enough. Well, since we've talked about offense, I'm going to combine our next two questions together, and let's just look at it from the defensive point of view. Um, which teams look to have a good defensive schedule, and do you think the same mentality holds through on spend big on defenders.
3: Yeah. Uh, for, for the defenders, I'm not one on getting, you know, big name defenders. I've usually kept budget defenders and maybe having one or two, probably about one guy that's around six mil to 7 million. If you're looking at last season's, um, you know, statistics, the highest defender was hedges at 159 points Gonzo at 158, who's gone, and Matt Biesler with 152. But then if you look at everything else, Giovinco, or midfielders, 251, 208, 201, 192. That's close to 40 points more than any defender. Your forwards, 203, 185, 180, 177. That's still 20 to 30 points higher than your defenders. You can find budget defenders in the 4 to $6 million range who are still going to get you good points. I mean, we're always clean sheet hunting in this. Um, you know, But if you go with, in my opinion, I think if you go with one decently priced or even if you want to get one premium defender, I think that's all you're really going to need because there's going to be plenty of budget options
4: this year as there were last year.
0: No, I totally agree. Um, I mean, loading up on defenders, I, I've never done that. Unless, you, unless you're on somebody who has like a great CBI run like Simon did for a brief period last year, you know, the guy that costs two million less is going to get typically just as many points on a clean sheet as the guy that's you know more of a premium cost. So,
4: well, he's definitely going to get the same points on the clean sheet for the clean sheet bonus.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you <laughs> want to chase clean sheets when you can, um, as far as you know, early on building your team. But I'm just going to I'm going to go budget in the back and go big in the front. You know, I'm kind of going to do the fantasy mullet. Um, <laughs> so. And, and as far as who has the worst nice. schedule, fantasy yeah. Mullet. yeah, it's my fantasy mullet. But, Hashtag uh, fantasy mullet. <laughs> business in the front, party in the back, folks. Um, but worst schedule, I mean, it doesn't get any worse than, than Toronto, does it, for, you know, picking a defender or anything. It's. I'll probably get some Chicago guys to keep it cheap and maybe somebody that Portland has and, just really not put any effort into it. I want to afford as many high power midfielders and, and uh, forwards as I can.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, for I, me... I agree, too. Yeah, I don't really have too much to add other than, like, I wouldn't worry too much about schedules for defenders early on. I'm not going to try and chase clean sheets. I'm just going to see who's starting, who's cheap, and might get some, um, some CBIs getting back into the into the mood of using this fantasy slang here, CBI's <laughs> after the off season. If you're going to get some CBI's and you're cheap, you're on my team. That's how it's going to go.
4: Cheap is definitely the way to go. Uh, I know Corolla, who is a mod over at r slash MLS and was on the show at least once last season, looked at some of this of the off season. I think he might be writing an article that will be posted uh, at some time that just sort of backs all this up that yeah, these budget defenders going for CBIs, that's the way to be. It's its just a waste, I think, to spend the money on those big guys. But you mentioned the Toronto schedule, and I'm going to talk about that real quick before we move on to talking about who has the worst schedules in, in general. And, and I got into a little discussion on Twitter today about this, and I was very excited to see the news that Clint Irwin was moving on to Toronto because I think that's really going to help them out. Um, with this season, uh, but when I was talking with, with Mike Dat Tiger, he was a little disagreeant, I think. Uh, I don't think that's a word. He disagreed with me a little bit. Um, but I, I said uh, it's great because Toronto had an awful away record last season. They have another eight-game streak of away games this season, but Clint Irwin was the second-best keeper with uh, keeping goals out of the net when they were away, uh, only beaten by Alstead. So that's great. Toronto's also picked up another Colorado defender and a Vancouver defender, so they've got three people on their back line now who are in the top two, who were in the top two teams last season at keeping goals out of the net when on the road. I, I think that's great to have that leadership back there and the experience for those road games, and I think that's going to be shown at the start of the season. So, Mike said, "Well, how hard is it when Colorado just goes and plays bunker for the 0 isn't that what everyone does often on the road? That's that's not like this super secret strategy that yeah, you know when, when there's Colorado. No,
0: when there's no risk of relegation, yeah, you just bunker down, hope for a zero-zero draw.
4: But now at Toronto, unlike Colorado playing a bunker for zero-zero, Toronto can play more conservatively, and you've still got Michael Bradling and Javinko to feed the ball up to up front. Uh, Altidore, I guess, is there
2: too. <laughs> um, and he's not getting red cards for the <laughs>
4: exactly so they've got more offensive outlets as well that even if you are playing conservatively trying to get that draw or maybe get, get a, a goal on, on just whatever random thing happens uh, they can give they can relieve the pressure on their defense so I, I think that's going to help though having these guys who know how to play away and and I don't I don't think it's as bad as we think but it is still rough So using that, let's move into who do you guys think has the worst schedule for fantasy in these first few weeks?
2: Um, I still think it's Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) It's still bad, but I mean... I I you say all that. I I, I still think it's... I mean, even just for the first two weeks, uh, they go to Red Bull Arena. They're going to give up a goal at Red Bull Arena. I mean, it's going to happen. They're going to give up a goal at uh, at New York uh, City. That tiny little baseball field, park. I mean, that game's gonna. It's got another two-two written all over it. Three-three. The, no, the New Givinco York was not awesome SF. at home last year, though. Yeah, but but between Villa and Javinko, I mean, they're each gonna score goals, I think, in that game. Um, they've got a bad schedule. Um, New England's got a rough start. They're playing three out of the first four away. Um, DC plays their first two away at LA and New England. That's going to be pretty tough, but then they at least get to come home and play Colorado uh, before they play Dallas at home, which is going to be another tough one. Um, yeah, those are the those are the three worst for me.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Colorado and New England. Yeah. Um... Colorado, man, they, they got away at San Jose, and then L.A. Yeah. comes to them, and then they got away to D.C., and so their their home games are like against pretty good teams, and then the rest of their games are on the road. That sounds pretty awful. Also, their team kind of sucks, although I guess we're talking about schedule, not how bad the teams are. Um, New England... Yeah, like like Travis said, a lot of road games. For me, it's all about home versus road because that's what the stats show. You can really consistently predict, and those teams have some bad ones. Same thing with uh, the CCL teams. I know it doesn't really show up on the schedule, but if any of them somehow manage to win against the Mexican teams, you'd assume that MLS will reshuffle some of their other games and give them buys. So I wouldn't really count on the CCL teams, um, regardless of if their schedules are are good or bad. That's just uh, unpredictability that I guess I put into the bad column.
3: Yeah, for me, um, I agree with all of those. And I also think that RSL has a very tough opening schedule, away at Orlando, home against Seattle, away at Portland, by away at Kansas City. Um, you know, the first four games are brutal for RSL. Uh, it's going to be very tough. But yeah, other than that, though, I agree with all you guys
0: yeah no that's that's what i would say but uh it's just criminal that that toronto has to do this every year i mean it really is i mean is it any worse in toronto and that in the spring than it is in chicago i mean chicago has all those home games they're not playing in a dome are they
1: wait so i I was gonna ask why is toronto playing on the road i felt Kind of stupid for wondering that, but then I tried to search it and I had a really difficult time finding it for some reason. They're
3: redoing their they're redoing their field again. Again. They'll okay, so that's what I thought, year. but I was
1: like, didn't they already do that?
3: Yeah, RSL is doing the same thing in the I thought middle. Thought you were getting the old hits. Yeah, I want to say um, RSL does the same thing in May. Uh, I think they have one, two, three, four. They have five away games from game week ten until game week fourteen because they're redoing the pitch here at uh, Rio Tinto, but it's the same thing as they did last year for Toronto.
0: I mean, is that going to be an every-year thing for them?
3: I, I uh, <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Lawson, I think his name is, the beat writer for the Toronto Sun, uh, he was discussing that, saying that uh, just because the weather up there is so bad and it's and it's real grass that they've just been doing it every single year, obviously last year, and then they're doing it this year. So I don't really know.
0: I mean, what a detriment to your team to have to start out on the road like that. I mean, you're you're just climbing a giant hill to get in the playoffs every year, and it's it, it boggles my mind. And then they, you know, we wonder why people kind of you know poke fun at the MLS sometimes. It's like, you can't have a team have eight straight road games to start the year. What kind of parody is that? I, I don't I don't get it. I, I don't get it. it but, you know. it,
4: it balances out later on of course when they'll have a big string of home games but they, they've they made good moves to deal with that better than last year when all of their moves were all offensive that's what they did last year was the offensive show with Toronto. I think they've made and that's I guess the overall point I was trying to make with my, my mini rant earlier was I, I think Toronto's made smart defensively minded trades so far to better deal with this schedule than they had last year.
0: I oh, mean you can make all the moves you want though but it's still how cohesive can you really a lot be of when miles you're, yeah it's when you're on miles. the road every week I mean you, you don't even get like that home training feel you don't get any of that, that normalcy to your schedule and then to have to put it all together you know in the third month of the season it's just that's ridiculous to me
2: it, and plus about like what 60 percent of your defense has changed of your starting defense so well so good we for to- them. <laughs> I mean, that I mean that it's just uh, they're going to have to learn to work together.
4: But at least two, I mean, they, they kept two defenders from from last year. Let me just load up the spreadsheet real quick, and I'll...
2: Well, and Moore and Irwin have
4: played together as well. Right, so. right. That's, that's exactly what I was going for. They've, they've got um, a couple of their guys, Morrow... From from last year, who's gonna slot right in there? They got a couple other guys that play fifteen hundred minutes as well. Williams is in there, and and other those guys, and yeah, Moore and and Irwin had played together. Betashores, new to to the team, I guess. I don't know how far back he might go. With some of the other guys, but um, they've got people with chemistry. I think. Yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> I feel like I need to like be a Toronto champion all of a sudden because there's, there's just so much so much hate going around. I I, th- I think they've done some good things. I, I like oh, no, what Toronto's no, I done agree. and I'm a huge Clint Irwin fan. Yeah.
2: No, I agree. No, I, I, I have, have no problem agree.
0: with Toronto themselves. I I I like that team. I just feel really bad for them that they have to get shafted every year by starting out on the road like that. True. true. I mean just like I feel bad for Seattle that they haven't gotten their soccer specific stadium yet.
1: <laughs> 2016 i mean when can they get their own stadium we have our own stadium it's bigger than yours
0: oh the seahawks stadium that's right and then new york gets to play in yankee stadium and orlando's going to play in the orange bowl again but
1: Whatever. you know
0: portland had to get their stadium before we could start up
1: well but who got here's, the championship here's all i'll say um our stadium fits three times as many people we'll take it when you hey, open
2: look, it up. Look on the bright side, guy. Uh, I don't think the uh, the Seattle Stadium will be used for football for a while, so I think you're good.
1: Yeah. What, the <laughs> what just happened here? This is two minutes of dissing Seattle? Oh.
2: <laughs> I'm joking. I love oh, the
4: Seahawks. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, do you guys have anything else you'd like to cover about the schedule before we move on?
2: Nope.
1: Nope.
0: No, I think we're good, man. I,
4: well, So everyone, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just about to say, we're nearly a month away. I set a calendar on my phone today for February 23rd, the first CCL game. I'm like, wow, that's coming up. I'm excited.
4: It is. So uh, everyone, just stay tuned to Reddit. There'll be some more updates, I'm sure, whenever the schedule changes. And when the official game launches, there will be a new, more final draft, I want to say of what the schedule will actually be because we, we know it'll change. We, we know you, MLS. We know you. Yeah. Uh, so that's all that we have really planned for that. I have a couple of announcements I'm gonna go over real quick. Uh, we don't have any leagues to cover this time so there's, there's no little little fun time with community people yet but um, For those of you who may not have realized yet, the partnership with MLS Fantasy Insider and Reddit is continuing this season. We will be posting questions, threads there every week so that if you have anything you want to ask about us. Topic specific, uh, there were some questions this week that we didn't cover because we were just focusing on a schedule. So please either post them again or I'll try to look back if I remember whenever we start talking more about players uh, in the coming weeks. But yeah, post your questions on Reddit and then we will post the link to the podcast after it is posted, that's going to be on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. Is that right, Simon?
1: Yeah, it should still I'll be working. Places. Um, if you are listening to this, you probably don't have any problems. So maybe this announcement True. is going to be so endless, tell your friends. But but yeah, if if you notice any problems on one of the platforms, uh, hit me on Twitter at simonmlsfi, and I will try and figure it out for you and I would really like to know about those.
4: Also, when you stop by Reddit, you'll notice that right now we have, I think, the second year of the r slash fantasy MLS expected starters project. This is similar to the the little writing attempt that r slash MLS does the countdown the kickoff where they just have all the updates about the teams and everything, but it's more fantasy focused as far as who you think the stars are going to be, who might be taking set pieces and things like that. So if you're interested in signing up to volunteer to write about your team, uh, feel free to respond to that thread and I will put you down the list We'll be looking for stuff sometime in February once we get a little bit closer to the start date. Uh, Also, as I mentioned, we don't have any leagues to talk about, but we are going to have them all back this season, uh, especially the MLS Fantasy Insider Head-to-Head League will be back, and we're going to expand it beyond just the few of us that uh, that were hosting the show, so we'll get some of the regulars in there, maybe get some people in there who we hope to have more involved with the show as guests coming up uh, so we can have just some more fun banter with ourselves and with, with guys, so stay tuned for more about that. So besides that, I don't really have much to plug right now besides uh, the Reddit forum and then some of the other little projects that that are going on at MLS Fantasy Boss, but those are gonna be rolling out as normal. Do you guys have any plugs that you'd like to like to submit? Who's writing for people this year?
1: I'm, don't I don't have yet. any plugs, <laughs> but other than just people, if you are listening this far, do us a favor and like shout us out on Twitter so that more people find out about the podcast because I really enjoyed interacting with people last year and it can be even better this year. And
4: you have a new name this year, don't you?
1: Oh yeah, at Simon M-L-S-F-I so that my last name is kind of hard to spell so I changed it because Jay (laughs) changed his, right?
3: Yep. We We, uh, we decided to uh, be twinsies (laughs) This year, starting it out the right way, and changing our names. For me, it was more of like a growing up thing because JJ Dirty was nasty, and that was so (laughs) high school. So,
4: and you're a dad now,
3: practically. I know. So like when my son sees, hey, what was JJ Dirty about? Like that'll be a fun story. So I figured I'd change it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be um, still writing it. FF 24-7 and uh, FPL Bet. And I think I'm going to be starting up my own little independent podcast here at a certain point, so Thanks. just a big Mexican talking NASCAR and hockey, I think. It uh, <laughs> should be kind of fun, so do something like that.
2: Fun times. I like it. Yeah, I don't know where I'm writing for it yet, so we'll see. <laughs> kind of still waiting for the season to
4: be announced. There's still time. There's still time, lots of stuff. Uh, If not, uh, you guys can always hear our insights and, at times, ramblings about fantasy soccer here on MLS Fantasy Insider. And uh, interact with us on Twitter and also on Reddit are some great places or the live chat over at MLS Fantasy Boss. So unless you guys have anything else, I'd just like to say thanks so much for tuning into this first episode of the season and uh, stay tuned.